out of my depth on the cultural framework. Genuine laugh at the movie film joke. Shithead bird. Shithead bird. Shithead bird? Question mark. Is this the first pinata? <sighs> so, uh, this is the Disney Animated Cannonball, a podcast about the Disney Animated Canon. I'm Talon, he, him. I'm Fox, she, her. And you don't know this through the magic of editing, but it has been, I kid you not, six months since we last recorded anything for this podcast because we ran into. The first, for anyone else who's had my particular upbringing of uh, heavily churchy, you might have one day acquainted yourself with the project of I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. For my Bible study, I'm going to read all the way through from the start to the finish, just like one chapter a night. And you might be thinking in the back of your mind, like, well, that's going to get rough around Psalm 119 because that's a real long one. But what you don't realize is you're going to go Genesis, mostly mythological stories. Exodus, still mythological stories, and there's a whole bunch of different stabbing and sex workers in there. You got some stuff going on, and then you get to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, <laughs> where it's such begat such begat such begat such, and in this law, unless one is particularly of an opinion regarding this particular ox in this particular way, and it just drags. And so most people who say they've read the Bible cover to cover are fucking liars. And what I'm saying is we've hit that point <laughs> in the Disney animated canon. Can I share my my teen Bible experience? Please do. Because uh, I, I was not part of such an orthodoxy as you were, but I did have myself at one point the teen study Bible. Oh! Which uh, came with little cartoons of Jericho Joe to humorously illuminate Bible verses as you went along. It's as good as you think. And I wish I had it now because the cover is jazz cup as all fuck. Oh, nice. It's brilliant. No- nothing makes the timeless book more timeless than jazz cup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point is, um, I think you'll find that most people's Bible study experience goes, right, I'll start at the beginning in Genesis. <laughs> is there an audio effect you can insert for me doing shifty side eyes at that point? <laughs> Because that's where it ends. And then later on, you read the study guide in the back of the book that says, don't start with Genesis, really. Start start with some marks. Start with yeah, some light always... Bible meant for teenagers. The, the advanced tech of Bible reading is start <laughs> with Mark. But I would note, we are now two minutes in, and we haven't mentioned what we didn't watch. Wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying we're avoiding talking about these movies? That doesn't sound like a thing we do. Whoo! Yeah, so uh, we we are now up to the sixth official entry in the Disney animated canon. The part where I start doubting whether being a Disney fan was was the correct choice for my <laughs> life. Because this is when we get to Saludos Amigos. And, uh, okay, 2020 was a factor here. Yep. But... It's still so difficult to talk about this fucking movie that we just decided to roll it in with three caballeros, okay? Yeah, we thought, we thought, okay, after this, with all of our notes, and with me actually going and reading an academic textbook on the subject, uh, and deciding, you know what, even with that, we don't have enough to talk about with Saludos Amigos, we rolled it in to include a big double feature of Saludos Amigos and the three caballeros, and we are still sitting here going, do we have enough? Uh, is this, is this enough? <laughs> and I feel bad about doing this because I don't want it to be like, oh, the, you know, the, the two South American movies that Disney made, just bundle them up together. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll get to Emperor's New Groove in like 40 years. It'll be fine. <laughs> Shit, that'd only be the 80s. God, these movies are old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these movies are from 1944. <laughs> so just to give you a framework there. <sighs> These movies were made during World War Two. Yeah, and it kind of shows, because there was not a lot of money in these movies, as propaganda projects to try and stem the influence of communism in the US. Oh, and, and also, to be fair, um, these movies, even with their limited budgets, were still doing 
technical pushing things. It was very impressive in, in a way for a small budget kind of affair. But we'll talk about that later. Sure, sure. Disney's Disney. But these movies are undeniably collections of short stories, animation experiments, and weird TV documentary features that really had no business being theatrical releases. I've heard them referred to as the bundled movies, and that includes these two and also the next four, I think, afterwards. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> We've reached a dark stage in our journey, but I promise you this is as bad as it gets. The other thing is, and I say this now, like, serious voice, there is a lot about these movies that is probably very interesting to discuss in media studies terms and in cultural impact terms, because this is rich 1944 working animators, like rich, relatively speaking, providing their input and lens on uh, Latin America from a position of cultural hegemony at one particular point in American empire. And all of that is really interesting, but also there are many different ways in which we are removed from this. For a start, this is from 1944. My yeah. father would not be born for five years. Ooh, your dad's old. My dad generation. is old, yeah. Um, by the same token, we aren't any Latin American culture, and we're not any American culture, yeah. unless you want to get into a really long argument. <laughs> and I'm happy to get into that argument elsewhere. Meet me behind the back of the university after three and we'll fight. But for <laughs> now, the distance here is so vast that there is stuff about these movies where we are at best talking about an acquaintance. And I would not feel comfortable saying, hey, this looks racist or this looks culturally insensitive when I don't know even who I would ask about these things. That's really true. Like a lot of stuff that I feel a bit more qualified talking about with other Disney movies is uh, beyond my ability to comment on in this one because I don't know what about this is a fun stereotype that the people in question enjoy and apply to themselves. Uh, as an Australian, I'm familiar with a few of these for us. Yeah. But, uh, and and which ones are like genuine bullshit things that uh, rich white people decided go there. And there are people, we do know from the credit listing, there are people from the affected cultures who provided input on this work, but also we cannot know how much they were listened to and we can't know if they were not, in their own ways, crap representatives of their culture. <laughs> well, these are, I mean, cultures contain multitudes. And exactly. And these movies are listed as having a generally positive reception in in the countries they were targeting. Uh, but also some, like, noted objections and responses. One of which we'll talk about later when we talk about Little Plain Boys. Yes. So, we're going to be... Running through these in kind of like a, a minis section, you don't expect quite the same density of breakdown of everything. We're just going to talk about each section in sequence like it's all one big movie. Right, because that's the other thing. There aren't any deep stories here. There are no arcs to explore. Um, there's not even running themes throughout these aside from let's look at a bunch of Latin American stuff. <laughs> And some stuff that isn't even in that case. There's a couple of things in here which are also just like, well, why is this here at all? And it is because it is. So, with that in mind, rather than do a timed rundown of the whole movie, which mm -hmm. I don't think any of us could do, <laughs> um, I unless you want to get really sucky and go like, oh, yeah, well, nothing happens. Da ding But um, rather than that, what we're instead going to do is just step by step through it, and then maybe at the end we'll have some eyelash watch. If you've been good. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to run through the segments. Rather like Fantasia, but quick and shallow. Not <laughs> unlike every one of these compilation movies. <laughs> so, first up, we have Lake Titicaca. Right. This is the, the uh, segment that's just straight up like a TV documentary. I, I feel like I might have actually seen this on Wonderful World of Disney just as its own segment. Yeah. Because uh, there's no connective tissue, except for the occasional cut back to... Well, there's a lot of live footage of Disney animators getting on planes and looking at things I want to put giant air quotes around, like quaint local scenery and exotic customs. And yeah, there's a lot of language in this film that's just, you know, questionable choices. Very of its time. Yeah. 
very much the vision of the outsider. There is there is some interesting stuff in here. Like, I'm not going to try and like break down the entirety of Edward Said's book Orientalism, but like almost everything in there applies here. Uh, the culture is depicted as being equal parts helpless and mysterious, uh, dangerous and inscrutable. Uh, it's it's just the, it's just the whole checklist. It's all here, but like that's just that's one of the ways that empires look at every other part of the play, a world that isn't their empire. There is also something interesting here in that Donald Duck is presented as like the fool, like their literal vision of how to show you this part of the world and to keep you engaged is to show you an American going to this place and being a massive dipshit. <laughs> Which, like, I, I, I get it. It's, it's not a bad take. It, it is, and it's material comedy. It's not trying, I'm not saying like, oh, they'll say, oh, yes, Americans will learn how to be dickheads in other countries from Donald Duck. It's just, there is no existing gear structure or anything like that. There is no inherent appeal to watching Donald Duck going to this location and learning from people. Like, we don't have that media representation. Which, I mean, know. yeah, maybe there was at the time. I don't know. There's a... It is. It feels a lot less shitty than the the take that they could have done, which is find things in this culture to make fun of. Yes. Rather than show one of us uh, uh, experiencing this culture and being a dipshit about it. Like at least they're laughing at the right person. Yeah, and and similarly, there's a lot of stuff where Donald Duck gets messed up by the situation because he doesn't know stuff and he approaches things without thinking about them. The unstringing of his own boat, the falling off a cliff, the breaking of a bridge. These are all things that anyone familiar with these things wouldn't do. So I want to I want to hold up a minor point, even though I find it personally pretty boring. Like, I think that there's a, as sad as it is of like the image we have for a approachable story is look at Donald Duck getting himself you know, <laughs> messed up by an environment. Uh, it is still more, more kind hearted than I would expect. Uh, I, I think we talked about this briefly in Fantasia, but as much of a Disney fan as I am, I've never been a fan of the the Mickey set of characters, the yeah. big Disney company identity characters. The big five. Who are all, like, more or less boring slapstick kind of characters, which has never been my thing. Yeah. Um, so, I agree. There Certainly for me, there is no inherent appeal to watching Donald Duck be a doofus. Um you know, one day there will be DuckTales 2019. 2017. 2017? Yeah. Oh, like yeah, 2020 took some time finishing that show. <laughs> anyway, and, and in that day, things will be better. But for now, Donald Duck ain't got nothing for me. I have a lot in my notes, but it's just a lot of little nitpicky stuff. Uh, the artist studies of the area are, like, in general, really interesting. Mm. But they still lean into that kind of yikes reflex when they they start characterizing local faces and stuff in such a remarkably different way from your usual Disney animation and like it's not that they shouldn't look different to Caucasian caricatures it's it's just that Disney has a mode of drawing for like people characters <laughs> whose stories we are going to look at who we are going to meet and treat as actualized people. And then the people of different nationalities are studied like scenery. Yeah. Uh, an uncomfortable thing to look at would be to look at the way that eyes are shaped and framed in different expressions. And how Goofy has a wide range of facial expressions based on the positions and movements of his eyes. While a lot of the humans being depicted from Baru don't. For the most part in this, they're illustrated with just black shapes. Yeah. Uh, which are expressive as far as black shapes go, but still, like, the the degree of contrast is be beyond what I feel is fair. Let's and say that. It's it's a rough thing as as a character designer and as a cartoonist to confront the amount of visual design language that if not explicitly racist in its modern form absolutely has racist roots and similarly you are looking at artist proofs versus full animations and like i recognize absolutely. that there is a gap yeah but it is nonetheless there is because of the time this is from and the 
general tenor of everything else, it's very hard to give the work as a whole the benefit of the doubt. It's not unreasonable to draw characters in in one visual language and extras in another. Yeah. But the bare fact that we are seeing Donald and Goofy as our characters and the people of this place as extras is, you know, I mean, that's where the problem is really, I guess. Uh-huh. The only note that I want to sort of harp on for a bit on this section is is the carrying on thread of, of early Disney stuff being so much about control and possession. Like uh, the, the idea of you have to snake charm a llama to make it do what you want. Yes, it's coercion. It's hypnosis. It couldn't just be that if you treat an animal nicely, it might do reasonable things that you ask of it. Ah! <laughs> it's just a gross mindset. And once you're aware of it, it's everywhere in this stuff. They find it hilarious. Um, so would you believe um, that I actually found a book about this? About uh, this specifically? About specifically the hypnotizing of llamas? What? So it's a book called The Llama's Flute. It's from 1996 and it's an anthropology book. Um, but it mentions Saludos Amigos in its abstract. So hang on, is this is this a broader myth? This is not some bullshit Disney made up for a funny bit in a slapstick cartoon. Kind of. So the bit in the cartoon is built off a common thing that Westerners who visited the area believed. Because they did have they did get to see regularly the experience of Peruvians who kept llamas. I don't remember the term for them, and I should, because it's in the book, but um, that they would whistle and they would sing songs to the llamas. But also, the llamas would sometimes grunt and sing songs to one another. Oh, that's so cute. And the belief from the external was, ah, they've done some mystical magic on this. And it's like, no, What's actually happened is it's a farming technique. The, the the farmers have trained the llamas to respond to certain sounds, and the llamas can the, the the sounds that the llamas can replicate, they will in turn use to guide one another. And it's it's super interesting, and it and like the book is mostly not about the actual practice of, of llama raising, but is instead focused on the way that the the lie got kicked off, and then the layers of research that had to be done to get to the root of what was actually true by going and finding the people. Because at first, when you hear, you know, Donald Duck whistling at a llama to take control of it, that just sounds like nonsense. And you go, oh, that's something they made up for a cartoon. And it's then you have to go digging through that process and find the anthropological study of how that information is transferred that you get to the root of, Mm. yeah, Peruvian farmers whistle at their llamas, and the llamas answer. That's weird. Who would train an animal to respond to a whistle? <laughs> Listener, you can't see the look I'm giving Talon, but there's so much rage in me right now. <laughs> the other tertiary element of this is that it led to, the, the, and the book goes in on this, which is breeding llamas has a whole set of superstitions based around what sounds they respond to. Like, you've got to make sure that girl llamas don't respond to too deep sounds or they'll have problems or something like that. And that is, again, anthropological. Super fascinating. <laughs> right. Yeah, wow. That was so much deeper than I expected that to be. I, I thought I was going to have to womp up 40 minutes on llama whistling. I'll, be, I'll not lie. Which is, by the way, longer than that movie. <laughs> I, well, it would be, wouldn't it? There's not a lot of movie here. Next up, we have Pedro. Pedro, goodness me. These were such amazing drawings to start with. How did they turn into such a boring-ass character who looks the same as every other <laughs> fucking vehicle they stuck a pair of eyes on in it? Ah, oh. okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. This is a, a short story section that is supposedly a character that the Disney animators made up while on a plane to embody the spirit of the Chilean people. And uh, they did this by sticking a pair of eyes on a plane. It's it's just fucking budgie the helicopter all over again. Yeah. It's, it's the exact same. <clears throat> I'm not saying they ripped off a character who existed 60 years later. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying they they didn't break their creative mold on this one. It, it is very much Babby's first anthropomorphization of a of a, of a vehicle. It is. 
Like, uh, it's it's the same. It's And if you look at, like, the same structures, like, what parts of the car, what parts of the vehicle did we translate to what parts of a feature? It, it's all the same stuff. It's the same that Cars works with. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, these these designs have never changed, apparently. I, it's it's an interesting thing when Transformers has a unique take on, on uh, a character archetype that's uh-huh. so much more creative than the basic form. <laughs> Anywho, I had a lot of gripes about this section, but the real issue with it is just that it's a dreadful fucking story. Yep. It's so bad. Yep. It's sh- Shall we summarize this? Go in for the it. time story segment? It's like a ten second plot. Lightning round, go! Uh, this baby plane has a big daddy plane who normally delivers the mail, but one day he can't, so the baby plane has to. And he almost doesn't, but then he does. Yep. Yep. That, and then that's, little that's... Spanish flea plays. <laughs> <laughs> such a stupid segment. I have three beeves about this. How about you? Um, I... Yeah, let's say three. Okay, cool, because I have... I have uh, a little beef, and then a medium beef, and then a big beef. <laughs> and this little beef went wee, 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 wee. So. Okay, okay, whatever, I'll stop. Don't fucking gender planes. <laughs> Fuck off. This is the mummy plane, you can tell, because she's not considered when someone is needed to do anything. And this is a daddy plane, you can tell, because of his big old plane dick. <laughs> I hate this. Uh, my little beef... Uh, is actually kind of not a beef in this case, but it is still something worth mentioning. You may remember that I have a friend who is big into guns and planes. Yes. Uh, and I showed her the skeleton of the plane. <laughs> and she pointed out that, oh yeah, that bit would have a bone, because that's actually integral to the way this thing lands. That's cute. Yeah, so like the skeleton is actually kind of accurate. I actually had uh, plane bones on yeah. my, just just a note, because I like it. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's, it's the only thing I like in this segment. Yeah. They have a plane skeleton on display at plane school. Mm-hmm. Back to me for the medium beef, I guess? Yeah, go on. Okay, so my medium beef here is that the plot of this shows the, the, the plane in inordinate danger, cut away, and then it shows him landing, and the narrator says... Don't ask me how he did it. That's your job. That is your fucking job. <laughs> Coincidentally, my uh, my medium beef just reads, Don't ask me. What the fuck? Why did you write this? <laughs> all right. What's what's your third beef then? Uh, that's all my beefs. Okay. <laughs> no more beef with this shit-ass plane story. I The third beef is not my beef. It is the beef... Of an actual Chilean. Oh, this is the other thing I was going to talk about. You're going to introduce us to Condorito. I was you? going to mention Condorito, okay, yes. I'll let you do it then. Okay, well, no, no, please, go. For, you go first. <laughs> I was just going to put a little footnote that uh, th- there was, in fact, at least one Chilean so offended with this portrayal of a pussy-ass little ineffectual plane representing the Chilean people that uh, he decided to make his own goddamn cartoon character who's... Kind of an irresponsible skirt chaser, but his heart is in the right place, apparently. And he's an anthropomorphic condor. He's an anthropomorphic condor, yes. Like the condors that stole the mail for some reason? What the f- does a condor want with mail? I don't know, man. Why did the mountain want to kill the plane? Well, that makes sense. Anyway. <laughs> but- <laughs> Condors commit mail fraud. They- they- there you go. I guess that's just how it is. But, uh, Condorito has been running non-stop since 1949. <laughs> And they started work on a movie in 2020. Condorito is an establishment. Slated for an adult cartoon series as well. I I know. (laughs) You go, you heroic Chilean (laughs) weirdo. I I definitely love the response of like, oh, you're going to give me a patronizing little kid mascot to represent my entire country's heroic struggle, huh? What if I made a garbage man? Oh, we should probably mention his name, as in the cartoonist who made Condorito, oh. which is Rene Rios Bortega. I think that's how you pronounce that. Apologies if you don't, but the point is I tried. I'm very much not an expert on this pronunciation, so uh, we shall hope that that was good. So, um, Pedro sucks. Next segment. El Gaucho Goofy. Oh, right. Yeah, God, if there's anything I like better than a Donald short, it's a Goofy short. <laughs> 
Pass it and make a sound bite of me sighing. <laughs> you just reuse it for a soundboard. Uh no, this look, this this did not fulfill some of my greatest concerns, which is when it started up, I thought it was gonna be like, here's Goofy, in this one, he's a Mexican cowboy. Uh, but he's still goofy, so this is gonna be just fucking awful. But fortunately it is once again uh Goofy who is a North American cowboy, and they are putting him into uh the the uh South America situation to make fun of him trying to work out their shit. So not as yikes as it could have been. Yep. So I have only one point about this section, which is this section was in fact censored. Oh, he's got a cigarette or something, doesn't he? In the VHS release they cut scenes of him with a cigarette. Right. And the version we watched, which streamed on Disney Plus and is the restored version, has him with the cigarette. I mean you couldn't get all the smoking out of these movies if you tried, so it's not really worth the effort. That that is literally all I got, by the way. That's <laughs> that's like the only thing I could think of. For I do this have series. one very snarky note, which is just goodness how how odd that North American cowboys should be similar to South American cowboys. <laughs> hmm. It it's almost like somebody was looking over someone else's shoulder and taking notes. <laughs> uh, it's a mystery we'll never know. Yeah. I, I I wonder if there's some country in the middle that might have been related to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's fascinating stuff. Oh, and I made fun of his singing voice, but then they actually followed through on that by doing a gag where it wasn't his singing voice. So, you know, points I guess. Um, I, this is, this, this one is, by the way, one of those examples of why I was very cautious about commenting on this whole sequence of Saludos Amigos, because specifically when I went looking, I found that there were older people from, uh, um, Argentina who remarked that they thought that it was very charming and funny. But at the same time, how do I know how, like, how universal is that opinion? Anything like that. It's just yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's one comment that somebody got doing media coverage at some point. It's, yeah. Yeah. And and for all I know, this could be a really beloved sequence and maybe, or they could have him putting on his pants backwards and like no one noticed it. It could be a really dumb thing. I don't know. Um, but this is about when I realized I was just out of my depth on this whole subject because this is about particular people's particular reactions to a particular time and how they were being represented possibly for the first time by possibly the first kind of company like it that existed. So it is really weird to try and like assemble this ship in a bottle when you're as far removed from it as we are. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's akin to the, the current sort of, uh, trying to pander to China thing that Disney is on at the moment. Yeah. Or at least um, I perceive to be on. It's it's a very thorny bush to Well, unpick. yeah, I mean, much like this issue, it, it is deep and complex. But uh, there's it's it's not something that people so divorced from the situation can really comment on. Because we're not in America, we're sure shit not in China, and uh, there's only so much you can speculate on without just being a ding-dong. Yeah, we get to be one of the niches that Disney treats in weird ways. Hurrah. Hurrah. Then, finally, for El Saludos Amigos, we have... It's just Saludos Amigos. And finally, for Saludos Amigos, we have the final section. Oh, God. I'm going to try for it. Acarela do Brasil. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought you... Why is watercolor hard to pronounce? I'm confused. <laughs> gotcha. Acarela do Brasil. I think I got that right. I don't know if you pronounce the quit or not. Like, uh, yeah. Or if it's a okay. kit. I learned a very small amount of Spanish and I don't think it was from a Brazilian fa- Well, I wouldn't learn Spanish from a Brazilian family. I would learn Portuguese. We could watch the movie and check, but we'd have to watch Saludos Amigos again. <sighs> I. It's It's a music video. It's the most interesting part of this, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, they're doing a bit of that pure music stuff from Fantasia, visualizing music layer by layer. I really like that. It's also the introduction we get to Jose Carioca. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah, he's kind of a fun character. Ubiquitous smoker, which is, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Good luck cutting <laughs> that. Yeah, like how... I, I do kind of want to know what they did with the VHS cup for this now, because he never doesn't have a fucking cigar. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did about that. And, like, 
At this point, the notes I had taken on Saludos Amigos break down into utter madness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of how, like, as it turns into animation for animation's sake, it kind of has that effect as well. We're going to revisit this theme at the end of our next movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, uh, you know, suffice to say, I do have some things in my notes, like, no more flower mouths, please. Horny flower mouth vaginas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, according to the notes I dug up while I was taking notes, uh, this version of Watercolors of Brazil is by someone called Ari Barasso, and my research is so incomplete that I don't know what pronouns to use for that person. But... It was apparently selected to be a non-horny samba. <laughs> so, the normal popular samba's too horny for Disney. <laughs> Disney's in this sequence, by the way. He's one of the people dancing in the crowds. Oh. Oh, there you go. Oh, there's a bit from Carnivale, and just... I assume it's a case that they didn't know how to record something like yeah. that. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's playing from inside a soup can, man. Uh, <laughs> it's... With the sound equipment that, like, remembering that Fantasia had to invent stereo yeah, reco- stereo yeah, playback. I, I assume this is not the fault of anyone, and it's just a, a case of the the quality that was available at the time, but it's just so Ooh. sad to see something like that, and the audio that goes with it is Sounding like it's coming scratchy. from the bottom of a drum. Nasty. Ah, oh, so unfortunate. Uh, I will also say that, and this comes up in, in the Gaucho uh section as well they also draw draw the comparison like hey notice how this dance is like an american dance it's like fuck you they do i hate that need to relate <laughs> stuff back to american experience Ugh. i mean they were trying to foster a sense of connectedness between north and south america at the time i mean we didn't address this did we this movie was made to dissuade south america from going communist yeah uh, this is straight up propaganda. In 1943. Yeah. they. I, I wonder why America would have been concerned about that. Mm. I can't think why. Uh, <laughs> somehow that's been a footnote of this episode. What a strange thing. <laughs> oh, hey. I have one big note about uh, this last section, which is that Donald Duck is just a butt. Uh, yeah. When you make a new friend... Who has deigned to learn your language, I will note. Yeah. Uh, but introduces himself with his name in his own language. Jose Carioca. You do not immediately decide that you can call him Joe. Because Ugh. you are a fucking American. The, yeah. I That shit makes me so angry. Americans, don't do this. Don't be that guy. Yeah. Don't be like Donald. Yeah. Don't do what Donald Duck does. <laughs> Um, I did also find, again, when I thought we'd be desperate for content for this one, I found the original New York Times review. <laughs> what did the New I'm fascinated to know what the New York Times review had to say about this. Well, we just need to go back into the time machine to hear the old-timey voice. <gasps> oh! That goodwill tour of South America, which Walt Disney and a bunch of his artists made back in Howl's Summer and Fall of 1941, was one of the happiest missions ever dispatched from these shores, to judge by the thank you letter which the general journey has inspired. For Mr. Disney and his playmates, after soaking up gobs of atmosphere, making innumerable sketches, and grinding their cameras steadily, have made their report through the medium which is most congenial to them, a charming cartoon live-action feature called Saludos Amigos, which just came to the globe yesterday. It isn't exactly like anything Disney boys have ever done, just as that trip to South America was a new experience for them. Loosely, it might be tagged as a sort of travelogue in cartoons, complemented with glimpses of spots which the sightseers touched. For it starts with the live-action pictures of the gang taking off for the trip, dissolves into cartoon, picks up photographs of sketches which the artists made, then intercuts with a live-action picture with four regional fables in cartoon, in colour, with tropical music, it is a gay 45-minute potpourri. Wow, that was 45 minutes long. That was 45 minutes long and it felt longer, didn't it? <sighs> it does a bit. Also, four regional fables, you said. What an interesting way to describe these segments. Pedro, the fable of the plane. <laughs> the fable of the plane that we made up on our trip to <laughs> Chile. Uh, oh, it, it, one, one of the minor nitpick that, like, Escape my memory till now. Uh, when they're showing the flyover of the country, they say signs of civilization as the plane is going over oil fields. 
Mm. <laughs> well, that's accidental, but it's just so telling. The most American thing. The most American thing. Anyway, boy, this movie is an interesting experience for what it is of its time. Uh, also, it th- this review mentions... It isn't what you would call a factual film. <laughs> what was your first clue? <laughs> was it the playing with eyes? <laughs> the talking duck? <laughs> man. I don't know, man. When the flowers grew lips, I just thought it was a... <laughs> I thought I'd done some really good LSD, which hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Put a pin in that. <laughs> That's a call for <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> There's the plant. <laughs> which is not a horny mouth vagina. Anyway. <laughs> so that was basically Saludos Amigos, which is, again, a bundled film. Uh, yes. Very interesting film uh, for what it is. Very much of its time. Um an experience worth investigating and then never watching again. I I do not think that my understanding of or appreciation of Disney as a filmmaking institution was improved by this. Like, I'm not saying that this film does not have its own value or anything like that, but, like, if you're saying, I'm going to watch all the Disney films to get a handle on them, you can skip this one. Especially if you're going to watch the next one, because the next one has a lot of the same <laughs> stuff in it and a lot more technical stuff that's interesting. It's um, it's not informative about Disney so much as it is about uh, American relations to other countries. Like that's the context. In which yeah, I find it's an experience worth investigating. And I guess it is the first introduction to Jose. But like this stuff is all. You say first introduction to Jose, like he pops up in a bunch of stuff after this, but he doesn't. Well, he mostly shows up in stuff referencing this. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's in Three Caballeros and. Everything else is pretty much a back reference to these two things. Yeah. And, you know, a handful of merchandise. It was on a set of dominoes that I had as a child for some reason. Either way, I'm not, I'm not saying that anyone who says this is an important part of the Disney canon is wrong. I'm just saying that for myself, I feel like I could have skipped it. Panchito wasn't on the dominoes, by the way. Well, that's because they're racist. My racist my dominoes. Me. That said, we won't know about Panchito until we look into the Three Caballeros. Yes, three caballeros. Now, my notes for this could reasonably be fit on a napkin. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this somehow had less substance to it than Saludos Amigos, which is fascinating. In fact, in fact, I will read to you my notes for this in total <laughs> as a beat poem, out of my depth on the cultural framework. Genuine laugh. At the movie film joke. Shithead bird. Shithead bird. Shithead bird? Question mark. Is this the first pinata? That was beautiful. Thank you. We should play that instead of kazoo on the beginning of this. (laughs) Okay, great. We'll do that. Once again, we have a bundled film. Yes. Once again, it's not got a lot of substance or overarching plot, so we're just going to do it like just what we did. All right. In which case, we have in uh, Three Caballeros, which is a longer film. It's an 80-minute feature. <laughs> and yet so, somehow. Yeah. Um, we have first up The Cold-Blooded Penguin, which is a good old-fashioned morality tale about why you should never try and improve your life or change things at all. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's see. Winnie the Pooh narrates to us the story of Penguin, who, despite being a penguin, is always cold. So they do a variety of slapstick animation gags as he travels to... Oh god, Rio? It was a tropical island they were shooting for. I think it was the Canary Islands. They specified an island and I've forgotten it already. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's really rude. It, it's um, it's an island to the west of of um argentina and i think that's the canary islands but like it doesn't matter because this this stupid bird apparently managed to get all the way up into like actual like warm sunny countries and decided no i need to keep going into the tropics i yeah my big note on this just says australia was right there you fucking idiot you're a penguin you've got cousins here yeah 
You could. You know what? There are fairy penguins in the harbor right now who'd be like, sure, come over. They're, it barely gets under. It, it, we have negative degrees like twice during winter and that's it. Yeah, and uh, we, you know, our penguins sunbake and are protected by snipers. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I do know why this penguin didn't think of going here because Walt Disney were like, Australia sounds made up. We need to buy another country. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's my smoker's cough. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not. Um, I'm not fond of this one. Moving on, flying gauchito. I am a fan of flying donkeys. This one's this one varies between really cute and charming, and then just weirdly dark. Yeah, uh, I, I don't appreciate the general idea of like, oh, a, a beautiful and hitherto unknown form of life, a, a marvelous miracle of of bizarre magical creation. What is what possibly could be the correct response to seeing this amazing creature? Trying to make money off it. If, if you said trying to possess it and make money off of it. Um, I, I would also point out that this donkey is genuinely just interested in him. It's curious. It comes over and wants his hat. Yeah. Like, they, I, I honest to God, thought this was going to be, and now we got to watch a sequence of these two becoming friends. But no, it's, I capture it, now I'm training it, now I'm horse racing it. Fuck you! Yeah, this donkey is like, hey, I like you, want to be best friends forever? And this kid whips out the bolus. Like, yeah. There's only one way to deal with this. Get God some, damn. Get some proper British whimsy in your shit. Whoa. No, we need period-appropriate American children, which is to say horrible violence in imitation of manliness. I will add... In that whole thing, uh, the coda at the end is incredibly dark. Oh, yeah. He, the narrator, who has been this child all along, uh, just says that neither he nor the donkey were ever seen again. What the fuck? Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> How are you recording this? Is this from a cave? Are you a ghost? Did you did you flee to the- Am wh- I a ghost? <laughs> Am I Bruce Willis? <laughs> that segment was never seen nor heard from again. <laughs> Uh, next up we have Baia. Uh, right. Oh, right. Yes. I'm, I'm glad I remembered correctly that this movie has an extended back end of just Donald Duck trying to fuck human women. This is super creepy. (laughs) I thought it was going to be just one segment where he's horny for real life women, but this is a repeating theme in this movie. It is. And it is, and it is not a good look. This isn't just like your, your funny comedy a childlike character trying to get a smooch from a lady kind of thing that you might be reimagining it as. No, this is a dude who is getting handsy and grabby and chasey. Yeah, Donald's a little aggressive. I actually think the the leching in this movie is the reason for the the of its time disclaimer that we got at the beginning of this one because this like this wasn't especially racist as far as old Disney shit goes. Like, as far as, as we can see. as far as I can tell. Yeah, there was nothing that immediately made me just go, yikes! Yeah. But, man, fucking Donald. <sighs> they strafe a beach. They do. They they strafe a beach doing finger guns at bathing suit girls. Um, It's gross. <clears throat> Don't do what Donald Duck does! <clears throat> that said... Remember how I got that New York Times review? Yeah. Well, it turns out the New Yorker existed at this point, and we get this quote from them. (sighs) One of the things that might disconcert less squeamish authorities at the Hayes office, it might even be said that a sequence involving the duck, the young lady, and a long alley of animated cactus plants would probably be considered suggestive in a less innocent medium. They thought the cactus one was the horniest one, huh? I'm guessing they got some yonic imagery from that that I missed. It's a field of dicks, Fox. Um... <laughs> That's my fault I was looking for vagina. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. <laughs> yeah, wow, okay, yeah. there were... We did spot an astonishing number of erection metaphors in these sequences. Oh, yeah. There was a hat. There were multiple instruments that were definitely being penises. There were just some O faces people were making at various points for. I I don't know if that was in the stage direction or not, but and and this cookie selling lady, like wow, those must be amazing cookies. <laughs> I'm not judging her. Yeah, no. Um, now while we were watching it, 
we did have these moments of like, are those white guys? They look like white guys. It is hard to say. It's I I I mean, this stuff was very soundstagey in how it was lit and filmed. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no reason that it would have needed to be on location. Uh, which doesn't mean it wasn't, it just means it would have been distinctly possible to hire minimum wage workers from North America instead of uh, involving uh, actual Latin American people. But, you know, t- tell me about it. I'm I'm guessing that you read something about this, given your look. So I have, in fact, gone looking for this, and I have looked behind the curtain, and I have some good news and I have some bad news. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have, some, I have some middling news. The first news is that they didn't hire a bunch of minimum wage workers. All right. Uh, they hired a actual Brazilian uh, street performance troupe, like a well-regarded famous one in Brazil. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I believe, based on the credits, that it's the group called uh, Trio Senor del Rio. Uh, there are, um, and also the dancing sequence is, I believe, the Padua Hill Players. There is also the Trio Calaveras. And having looked them up on IMDb, all of these people were born in Mexico, Latin America, or, or, they're not Americans. Now. Well, they're not basic-ass white Caucasian Americans, anyway. But they were not all the people in the sequences. Right. And a number of the dancers and singers in backup spaces were... Yeah, okay. ...white guys from Livingston and, and Texas and stuff like that. not super surprising, yeah. Um... Livingston and Texas. Sorry, Livingston, Texas. <laughs> um, but also the reason that you did the reason that information was a little layered down is because none of the dancers were credited. Oof. None of the white actors were credited in the film. Right. <laughs> Which is also kind of shitty. Yeah, well, Disney with poor industrial relations, who would guess? Particularly bonus in the Brazilian sequence, one of the dancers, uh, who wasn't playing an instrument was a guy by the name of Matt Mattox, who is notable because he was French. <laughs> just, you know. Sorry. I just, something clicked in my brain and I realized I've uh, been uh, using South America as inclusive of Mexico in this entire discussion. Oh. That's not accurate, is it? No, no, it's Latin I, America. Geography is not my strong suit. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, folks. Um, but as far as Matt Mattox goes, the good news is it wasn't his only uncredited role. As a serial backup dancer, he repeatedly got no credit. Cool. Well, I mean, as long as consistently he wasn't getting rewarded for his efforts. Dang I'd it. say that's a win. <laughs> Consistency. That's what capitalism wants. <sighs> but at least as far as the voice talent goes, <laughs> Pechito's voice actor was Mexican and Jose's voice actor was Brazilian. Right, yeah. And Donald Duck's voice actor was Clarence Nash at this time, who is the guy who trained Tony Anselmo, who is the guy who trained the current voice of Donald Duck. The Donald Duck voice guys. Wait, no, I think I think Anselmo is the, still the current one who's training a, training someone to follow up on him. Because not easy. <laughs> Disney's always going to need a Donald Duck voice. Apparently so. There will be a Donald Duck forever. Look, if nothing else, is going to be a Kingdom Hearts every so often that they need to supply for. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Brazilian girl and Mexican girl and, like, the characters who didn't get names, they were all, like, legitimate musician performers in Brazil and Mexico. I assume anyone singing. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, any main singer was uh, uh, actually what they were presented as in the movie because, like... They were all clearly professionals. Yeah. I wasn't sure about the tap dancing uh, bullfighter girl, but the one with the cactus penises. Yeah. But no, yeah, she was. Cool. Good. That makes me feel a bit, bit less yikesy about the whole thing. Also, if this name means anything to you, Pinto Colvig had a credit in this. It does not. Uh, he was the voice of Pluto and Goofy in this era. Ah. Hmm. I wonder who he was. Maybe he was the asshole, but... Finger guns! Oh, I got it! Happy Pride! Ah, throw finger guns at me. I'm not a babe on a beach in the 40s. <laughs> true. True. Uh, no, you're completely right. Yeah, um, they, they got they got oh. Goofy's voice actor to come in to be the shithead bird. That <laughs> bird is such a dick. It's such a dick. Why does the bird exist? Oh, right. This is like, 
this era of animation is very clear on being an asshole is hilarious. Yep. That's that's the running through line of all this. So, yeah. Uh and then the last segment uh well, it's it's Las Posadas, oh. Mexico and You Belong to My Heart, which are all basically just music videos. By the way, eyelash watch. Eyelashes are for horny ducks. And also gender-flipped birds. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, body morphing in this in general. Each of the birds is depicted as a sexy lady at one point. Sexy Donald is by far the most upsetting. Mostly because he's such a shithead. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do an impersonation. Donald Duck is briefly <laughs> coming, ha- coming to have words with us. <laughs> we also got the uh, the Donald Duck inflation goodies. Yeah, wow. Yeah, th- there is there's a lot of kink going on here. The size. <laughs> it's so... And I don't think they saw it coming. I think this is just like... This is not us expansion Ted slipped this in hoping we wouldn't notice it. This is us expansion Ted watched this when he was nine. Yeah, and that's why he's us expansion Ted. Exactly. So, uh, I would, I would also, um, we, we composed a theory while watching this because we were so bored. Like, normally, <laughs> normally when we watch these movies, Fox and I very much keep to ourselves because we don't want to have commentary that would wind up being useful later. And we want to make sure we both have time to percolate on our ideas. Um, which in some cases leads to mistakes, like me completely messing up the rhythm of Bambi because I mistimed a section. <laughs> we stewed on some stuff. But in this one, because so little was happening, we did start talking. And we composed a theory. Donald Duck is never depicted uh, successfully having a relationship until, like, 2017 DuckTales. Oh, right, yes. I mean, he has Daisy as the ever-present on-again, off-again girlfriend who doesn't seem to like him. Yeah. But I think, based on this movie, Donald Duck has a fetish... For human mouths. Yeah, he's he's into human ladies, specifically the lips. Yeah, like, I guess he'd be what the birds would consider a skinzy. He's a skinny. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> 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 if he has a human costume, does that make him a skin suitor? <laughs> I, don't, I regret everything about that sentence. Moving on from Donald Duck the Serial Killer. Right, uh... Just, just to wrap up eyelash watch, eyelashes are also for boys when they're hitting a particularly important uh, high or long note while singing. Okay. I, I also guess I would point, like, during, again, during the, during the watching, Fox said something to the effect of this is Fantasia's aims on Dumbo's budget. It really is. I mean, the studio was struggling at this point. These movies feel like well, aside from the propaganda angle, these movies feel like nothing so much as just trying to do what Fantasia did on the budget of Dumbo. Which is to say, like, a a single-digit percentage of Fantasia's budget. So, I guess there is one last little bit of trivia I have. What you got? In the song The Three Caballeros, uh-huh. uh, there is a lyric that makes you sing Ay Caramba. What's Ay Caramba? I don't know. Uh, well, I went and looked it up. That seems shitty. Like, well, like, you're Mexican. You should know the word. What are you guys trying to say here? Well, okay. So in hindsight, I think what it means is I'm not telling you that word because it's a rude word. But uh, Caramba is a... And I should know this because, like, you know, Bart Simpson the entirety of my life. But... Uh, you never translate it. Well, it's true, but like I should have, I should have gone. Like, well, is that a, is that a bad word? So, I caramba <laughs> is a positive exclamation of a minced oath. The word in question is, and I'm gonna try and pronounce this, but understand it has a J in it, and I'm very far from the source here. So, carajo, uh-huh. uh, which is penis. Caramba is like a you know fiddlesticks version of penis. So, I caramba means. Oh boy, dicks! Why? It's enthusiastic? Yeah. Oh! It's enthusiastic and positive. <laughs> yeah, dicks! Yeah, dicks! Happy Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dicks, Donald's friends are dicks. Oh my god, how much of their relationship relies on them hurting him? And to be fair, 
vice versa. Like, they set Panchito on fire. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Like, he's holding this note for a while, so we have to murder him? I didn't realize what was happening, because they didn't let it sort of hang in the air long enough for, for it to be like, oh, they must be getting kind of annoyed with it by now. They just immediately went to murder. Yeah, like Donald Duck's pointing a cannon at him. Jesus Christ, they built a coffin around him? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, watching that sequence, it had the same energy of a lot of live stage performances I've seen with magicians. <laughs> and in which case, like, a part of me is like, oh, I've seen that coffin trick. And that coffin trick looks cool <laughs> when you do it. When you do it face to face. Because, like, holding the note while you're stepping out the back of the coffin is hard. Yeah. But, like... Like, these were fun visual sequences around a legitimately impressive voice. Mm. Uh, but just, like, I uh, I have such a lower tolerance for cartoon slapstick than the people of the 40s, I guess. But just, I just have a note that says, for my next birthday, can you please send me friends who aren't assholes? <laughs> <laughs> if I have a friend with temper issues, I know what I would do is just constantly bait them. Mm-hmm. And when that failed, do them physical harm. Yep. Uh, anyway, I guess they deserve each other. They are birds of a feather. Before Panchito's voice actor did any voice acting, he was the main singer of a nightclub in San Francisco. <laughs> Well, okay, but I don't think we can blame him for all the horny in this movie. Oh, no. This came from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ass Inflation Ted, apparently. (laughs) No, that's where it went. (laughs) It went to Ass Inflation Ted. (laughs) Oh, God. Happy Pride, everyone. (laughs) Should there be kink in the three Caballeros? (laughs) Is that... Oh, my God. No. This is supposed to be for children. Um... I did think almost every time the visuals depicted things, it was really good. Like, when they were depicting the, I can't remember the name from the blankets, the the decorated blankets, the cities, the uh, landscapes, genuinely just (laughs) funny. Shock, Shock and horror, Disney's animators at the time were great at drawing beautiful structures. Shock horror. I mean, it's, it's... Disney quality animation. It's it's good no matter what. The the only like questionable bits are just like the live compositing where like obviously the zoom levels were a bit squiffy or that something was like that. Like weird. you've got some wildly varying wine quality in there and whatnot, but I think that's just the like necessary artifacting of doing that live animation compositing at the time. The the sequence of her walking of the human woman walking down the street with Donald and Jose coming at it from the sides. That was super weird because while it may have been, I, I don't remember the term for it, but like green screened in, I don't know if that technology was available at the time. I genuinely have no idea. But it really looks to me like there is a movie screen behind her and she is doing fake walking forward as a movie projector puts the footage behind her and she is timing herself to the footage, which would require cells or animation of that to be skewed so that they could be shot from a very high down angle because otherwise she's where the projector would be aiming and it would go it would be like projected onto her hmm so you think possibly they were filming in front of playing film i don't think that would have worked because of of uh camera like shutter artifacting maybe but you're right um I'm not going to rule it out as a possibility. Yeah, it, it was just such a distinct visual drop in quality. It was, yeah. Um, also, I think I did see this one, or specifically I saw the penguin bit as a kid. And I think it gave me nightmares. I think they took the the shorts out of all of these films and just occasionally showed bits and pieces of them on uh, Wonderful World. Well, I mean, and- part of the problem is that the penguin didn't have shorts. If he had shorts, he might be warmer. I don't think I harped on that penguin enough for needing to build a boat when he's a fucking penguin. Yeah. <laughs> do, do they not know how penguins get around? Or skis, apparently. Apparently, yeah. Uh, did we did we research piñatas? You know what? No, we didn't. Because I... 
had not previously associated piñatas with Christmas. But what do I fucking know? My experience of piñatas is you can buy this in the $2 shop in the shape of Spider-Man. So I did a very cursory bit of investigation. And typically speaking, Wikipedia is the kind of place where chorish nerds are going to store <laughs> facts about things like Disney movies. Yeah, absolutely. And so if this movie, like I thought, introduced the idea of the piñata to America, someone would have put that on the Wikipedia page for this movie or the page for piñata. And it's not there. The piñata page is full of, like, history and its relationship to Spanish missionaries and all sorts of messed up stuff in that regard. But I do not know, and I think that if it was known, it would be more easily found. I mean, if it is connected to Spanish missionaries, you could definitely see it being a Christmas thing. Yeah. Christmas is a great way to get your religious shit into people's traditions. Yeah. Look how happy everyone is. Come, have a good time. Check out this Christmas tree. Yeah. No, no, uh, ulterior motive. <laughs> what, us? Paganism? No, 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 that's... Oh, no, no, it's Schmeganism. Definitely it's about our friend Schmegan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about Christ. It's right there in the name, see? Yeah. How could it be anything but? <laughs> Look, Oliver Cromwell was oppressing us for making mince pies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just read my last note on the... I stopped taking notes during the uh, the hilarious sexual harassment scene at the beach, <sighs> and my last note is just, who storyboarded this? <laughs> and, and again, on the note of technical achievements uh, and why Saludos Amigos didn't impress me as much as, as um, Three Caballeros, um, the sequence with the, the um, sheet on the beach, where they are... Timing oh. the animation to flinging Donald up in the air. Yes, like where our harassed beach babes are, are bouncing Donald up and down on the sheet between them. Legitimately impressive. Uh, yeah, I, I assume they did that with like a, a real object in, I in would the assume. place of Donald for the filming sequence. But yeah, it was legit cool that they made it look quite convincing and that, those... that he was interacting with that object. And like, I want to remind everyone when they were talking about, oh, you know, the great acting of Ian McKellen who could like pour emotion into a green screen kind of moment. This is a group of women who aren't even in many cases as credited, who are acting and reacting to a Donald Duck who is not there and who they are by all rights in the correct position to punt into the sea. <laughs> well, in that way, you could sort of find fault with their acting because it's all very like, no. Look, a paycheck's a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this shit's gross. Yeah, terrible. Don't do what Donald Duck does. Look, it took them literally a hundred years to get Donald Duck interesting. Yeah, alright, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I feel like that's as good a note as any to end on, unless you've got something else you want to add. Alright, My so... backup plan was the llama's flute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's our uh, our speed run through uh, what I will say are the two worst entries in the Disney animated canon. Uh, like, I'm not looking forward to the next three or four, five. Goodness. I'm not looking forward to the next five either. Four? It is four. Talon's showing me a number of fingers and I can't count, that's all. So start again. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not looking forward to the next four either. But uh, I I do believe that it is a slow turn uphill from here, but definitely uphill from here. Yeah, I I genuinely thought I would be hard pressed to wind up more disheartened by this project <laughs> after Snow White. I thought that strictly speaking, there was no way they would make oh a movie goodness. that would bore me as much as Snow White. <laughs> it's so innocent and. Now knowing that I'm staring down the barrel of more of this. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Like, expect a bit more of the speed runs for this chunk. Because, personally, I am, like, most interested in what stories are about. And these are not, for the most part, these are not stories as much as they are exercises in keeping the company alive. And on that note... This is absolutely true. So, before we before we wrap up, though, 
let's talk briefly about money. All right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, let's just skip the money section for these, because I'm so lost. And however much they made is going to be disappointing to me. This is more than they deserve. Now, for perspective, uh, Dumbo cost $950,000 to make, and it made them about $1.3 So pretty much $1.5 at times its cost. I do not have the budget numbers for Saludos Amigos <laughs> or the Three Caballeros. Yeah. They don't tell us how much they cost to make. So, knowing that Dumbo saved the studio at $1.3 million, I think we can safely say uh, they cost less than Dumbo to make. I would be shocked if they cost more than Dumbo to make. Yeah. Even with the technical developments of, like, live-action integration, I like, those are soundstage stuff. It, yes, I mean, there's live-action integration being done, but also they deferred a lot of the runtime to live-action filming, which is definitely cheaper than animation. Uh-huh. And just a bunch of stills as well. Uh-huh. Because, like, a lot of these song clip sequences uh, were able to get away with extended stills or just minor bits of animation. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's going to make me unhappy, whatever that number is. Did they make more than a million? Saludos Amigos made 1.13 million. The Three Caballeros made 3.35. With $700,000 being made in Mexico. See, this is why you can't trust capitalism as a measure of something's artistic merit. Because, you know, by this measure... uh, three caballeros, three times as good as Dumbo. And I'm not saying, by the way... Oh, wait, those... no, sorry, twice as... Three caballeros, twice as good as Dumbo. And I'm not saying that Mexicans did something wrong by going to turn up this movie. They were excited to see this movie. Oh, Great, no. I'm glad you... you I... des- but the thing is, Mexico, yeah. you deserved a better movie to love. Yeah, <laughs> And we all deserve to not see so many horny ducks. Oh, yeah, and if you want... If your thing is multiples, you know, Jose can do that too. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love that uh, that one shot of him with just the most bisexual lighting. Oh yeah, that was delightful. That was that was way too much work put in a shot of a character. <laughs> it, it, it really was just like an impressively done backlit shot. <laughs> that then the lights come up and you're like, oh, it's of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, he's kind of a likable fancy boy. When he stops smoking, <laughs> he's not being an asshole to his friends. Yeah. So. <laughs> With that, we move on to the next things. Next things. Oh, We're going to batch the next ones. I think continuing to batch the uh, the bundle movies yeah. is a good plan, I think. They bundled them to us, we will bundle them back. Well, as long as they don't have unifying narratives or, or through lines, uh, then there's only so much we can do to discuss them as whole entities rather than as fragmented things. I'm just stalling because I can't remember which one comes next, so, uh... So first up, it's Make Mine Music, and then after that, what are they? I was going to guess Make Mine Music first, but now I'm totally unsure about the other three. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say Melody Time came straight after Make Mine Music. It doesn't, does it? Nope. No, damn it. Okay. Um, Fun and Fancy Free is in between them. Yep. Okay. Then it's Make Mine Music. Yep. Then it's fucking... Uh, Wait, no, Ichabod. it's Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, Yeah. Ichabod and Mr. Cr- Mr. Then Toad. it's Ichabod and Mr. Toad, yeah. Ichabod and Mr. Crane. <laughs> it's Jekyll and Hyde shit. <laughs> it's so... Oh. Out of all of them, that one is the one that baffles me, because it's one thing to make a Bumble movie with, like, 12 unrelated short sequences, and it's another thing entirely to make two half movies. And just cram them together as if they have anything to do with one another. Oh, we'll get there. And when we get there, we <sighs> will have words. It's gonna suck. 